Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. I'm Dr. Joe Brickner. I'm the host, and today we have a special guest. I say that every time, but they are all special, and I've got a great one today, former Super Bowl champ, Chris Godfrey, and Chris is a University of Michigan graduate, actually played in three Rose Bowls before he became a professional football player. And, and I want to get into his story because it's not the typical story of someone who goes straight from college into professional football. But Chris is much more than that. After he retired from football, he got his law degree at Notre Dame. Since then, he's become an author. He has a book that is, is great, absolutely great, especially if you have some teenagers. His book is That's Where I Live, A Guide to Good Relationships. I'll ask Chris in a minute where you could purchase this. Chris also started and is president of Life Athletes. And I'm going to ask Chris about that a little bit later in the program. But uh, welcome, Chris. Nice having you with us. Great to be with you, Joe. Chris, I was really fortunate this past summer to have an opportunity to meet you. You were one of the main speakers at our at our. CORAC uh, National Conference. And, and for those of you who are watching that don't know, CORAC is the core of renewal and charity started by a man named Charlie Johnston. And it's basically a, an organization that's based on faith, family, and freedom. And Chris is one of our main speakers, and he was just riveting with his story of going from college and eventually getting to the pros. Chris, did you grow up in Michigan? Is that where you grew up? Yeah, Lower East Side of Detroit. I ask this question to all my guests because all have been very, very successful as you have been. Where'd your competitive spirit come from? Where'd you get that? Oldest of nine might have helped, um, but 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 certainly my dad. My dad played um, sports in uh, in high school. He was he actually was more gifted in your sport, Joe. He's a all city basketball player at the time, but he also right. played football. Yeah, so certainly for my dad and then his father. His father didn't have his height, but his father um, grew up in um, Ontario and played all of those sports. He was actually on the club team that eventually became the Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, and he played rugby and things like that. And um, so his father, Harold, was uh, quite the, the player as well. So I'm sure a lot of that's genetics, and a lot of it was an early coach. 
I just, I grew up in a beautiful neighborhood, lots of big families, half block from the school. And when I used to hang out with the boys a couple of years older than me, and they went to football signups one day, and I was still in what, fifth grade for the seventh and eighth grade team, but I kind of tagged along. Huh. And uh, but the coach was just out of the army. He was a pipe fitter, had the biggest arms I'd ever seen. You know, his shirt was some torn army shirt, whatever. And uh, Kind of a tough guy, but a, a really a great sense of humor, too. And uh, anyways, he, he said, he asked me if I wanted to be the, the team mascot. So I came home, Dad, Dad, I'm the mascot, <laughs> thinking it was some big deal. <laughs> but anyways, so that helped. A lot of early encouragement, um, certainly uh, having, having a good size that I inherited from my, my father. Being a little bit tall, one of the taller kids in class and all of that helped me get an earlier start. I guess a little bit of genetics and uh, environment. Did, did you play all sports or did you just concentrate on football? No, I, I played three sports, uh, mostly uh, football and basketball. And uh, I can still hear the guys that only played basketball complaining that I played basketball like I played football, right? In <laughs> fifth or sixth grade, right? A little too physical for them. Uh, but it really helped, as you know, control the paint. And that was right. really important. And actually playing basketball really helped me, helped me later on in life because um, I was a really good defenseman and I could shut down their best players. And I enjoyed doing that, especially against some guy I really didn't like once in grade school. But I, I, I credit my ability to lengthen my career from playing defense all through college and beginning in uh, professional, but moving over to offense because I could move my feet like a basketball defensive player would move his feet, staying in front of somebody. And so basketball was very, very good to me, even though I couldn't, I mean, it was a 50-50 proposition for me to just put a layup back in, right? Yeah. I needed a good shooting coach to tell me to keep my elbow straight. I learned that from a Michigan guard many years later, the secret of just making those shots. Keep your elbows together. <laughs> Nobody ever taught me. But anyways, and I would run track, Tried baseball with that beloved coach that I mentioned. He tried baseball himself, and he, he didn't really have the patience to be a, a, a baseball coach, and I was a terrible baseball player, so that didn't last long. Uh, so three sports, and then when track, track was in, in, in high school. Throw, and that throw was a shot put? It was a shot put, and I was adequate at that, you know. But where, where I excelled was throwing the discus which was uh, a new sport for Michigan back in 1978, something like that, 79. I got that right now, it would have been 75. But anyways, um, that was a lot of fun because it was something that you could learn and get a feel for and all of the rest. So yeah, I played, played sports uh, throughout the year and it was a really, really good thing. So you played all three sports then in, in high school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, what geared you to football? Was it your size that geared you to excel in football? It was, it was, it was just hanging out with the neighborhood kids, right? And they weren't even great football players, but it was my getting to know that coach. And, you know, they talk about I learned everything in kindergarten that I needed to know for the rest of my life sort of a thing. It was a lot like that with him. He worked our tails off. I mean... You know, the end of practice uh, sprints, we would run maybe 10 yards at a time, back and forth, do different things. And, you know, half of us were balling, right? But, but, uh, but stayed with it. 
and he instilled in us some sense of pride of sticking uh, with things and fighting through things and being tough in that sort of a way. It certainly showed in the standings because we were undefeated three seasons in a row and usually beat everybody by 40 points. Wow. But the practices were so hard, especially I was a younger guy playing on an older team. Um, I was a starter in sixth grade for the seventh and eighth grade team. So I got, got put up in that. And, uh, but the practices were so hard that the games were easy. And I can remember trying to, you know, trying to injure my ankle by standing on a basketball so I'd have a, an excuse not to go to practice or something, right? But my dad, my dad um, praised us once, um, my brother and I. I have a brother who's about just a year younger than me. And he, pra he praised us for doing a difficult thing and sticking with it. And as hard as that coach worked us, he had a really good sense of humor. And you could tell he really loved us. He threw a big banquet for us and our dads at the end of every year, rented out a hall, pizza and whatever we wanted, and out of his own pocket, bought, I think, equipment for us too in that way. Um, so that combination of really working us hard, but really loving us and that success and the pride that came with working hard and then being successful at it, that actually made me a, a better high school player because I had a code of honor already when I got to high school that surpassed the varsities, okay? Because I didn't play for one of the creme de la creme high schools. It was an all-boys school that was close by and wasn't the tough guy school that I wanted to go to that had girls going to it. No, my dad sent me to the all-boys school and says, that's where you're going. <laughs> I, remember, I remember we were invited to go to the varsity basketball game at this high school and the football coach for the, for the school was sitting up in the stands and he made a point of introducing himself to, to my dad when I was with him. And, he was trying to get get me back for a game, do something special for me. My dad said, "Don't worry, he's coming here." <laughs> <laughs> Come on, son. And it was a good thing because um, gave me gave me a chance to realize that I'd been given something special, that I'd worked and achieved something special, and and others kind of um, fed off that too and helped our team. I, I actually started started as a sophomore with that team, and it was a central division, the best division in the Catholic League school league back in uh, Detroit. And, um, and so all that was good. But my dad, it all kind of changed. I, I made all Catholic, which is really a, a significant honor for an underclassman as a junior. And then with all of that going, having the world by the tail, my dad takes an intercompany transfer and goes down to Florida. Oh, boy. So, so there goes all my BMOC cred <laughs> and started over at another all-boys school down in Hollywood, Florida, called Chaminade. You might have, there are a couple of Chaminades around the, the country, and I went to one of them down there in Hollywood. Your senior year, you went to Chaminade? Yeah, left the middle of my junior and uh, stayed there until the middle of my senior. So my, my senior football uh, was played at a whole new place, playing new positions, and in uh, that heat, that Florida heat, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't have air conditioning in the school either, you know. I would, I'd, I'd fall asleep, you know, wake up in a puddle of sweat on my desk, you know, and, but all of that was good. Again, it was a lot of that training, that early training that I had uh, really set me apart. Not so much my size, which helped, but just that sense of like honor it against some of the best folks down there. And I had a deep well to draw upon. And uh, for that, I'm very grateful. And all of that really points to that early training 
my my father supporting us. Yeah, so it's it all started there, as they say. It started started back in kindergarten. Everything I needed to know for life. Wow. Now, how'd you end up at the University of Michigan? I can see if you were in Detroit, that would happen. But being a Catholic kid in Detroit, I would think Notre Dame would be after you too. Uh, how'd you end up at Michigan? Well, uh, Notre Dame, I was a, I mean, Notre Dame didn't even send me a letter, right? Seriously? They, seriously. Oh, they went for the creme de la creme. I wasn't a blue chipper at all. And certainly moving out of the area uh, didn't help my prospects in that regard. Um, but what really helped um, Michigan's chances was that being down in Florida, I was homesick. And I also grew up on Wolverine football, not Notre Dame football. And uh, and so oh, that was a big deal. That that would that was nice. And you know, in doing the the compare comparing different programs, you know, what kind of school is it? What kind of athletic program is it? You know, trying to find one that would do both of them well. And certainly, being down in the you know, the SCC country or ACC country, I my first recruiting visits were to places like um, Georgia Tech and Miami and. That did a little stuff. Uh, oh, I got a, some bites from the, the service academies and took a trip up to Cornell and got letters from those kind of folks. But um, but Michigan was a really good school and it was also a really good program and it was also back home. And so that's how it ended. Even though even though I think I got one of the last of the scholarships that were available. And got got some obscure '90s number uh, and put back in the back row of the first team picture with all the water boys. Uh, that was actually kind of helpful because it made me hungry. And uh, and and after that, after all of that experience, I realized that I didn't want to be buried in the tomb of the unknown Wolverine. And uh, worked real hard. I they thought I'd made a, the, a wrong choice because the first little get together all the freshmen had. We're kind of standing in chow line for this reception that we're having with our new head coach. And I'm standing next to these huge guys from the Catholic League in Chicago, right? Going, oh gosh, I, I, I made the wrong choice. But uh, at that first year, playing on defensive demonstration teams and going against the best was good for me. And, um, and the next year, I, I got the starting nod. Um, second game into the season against arguably Michigan's biggest game in a long time, and that was Texas A&M. The Aggies came to town. I think they were ranked number one or two on the nation at that time, and uh, that was my first. That was my first start. I was so nervous I couldn't even see straight. <laughs> I remember the day before. Oh boy! Because you were a defensive lineman, were you not? Yeah, yeah. How big were you? Uh, I was um, probably 223, dripping wet, 6'3". One of the reasons why um, playing defense appealed to me is like all young guys, you like to make sacks and s tackles and all the rest. Didn't really want to be a hog and put on weight and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the Michigan um, defensive scheme was a Vera scheme. We had three undersized defensive linemen who were notable for being quick. And we were always on the move, slanting one way or the other, and um, and that was really good. Played to my strengths, and it was fun. So I could I could play in that position uh, without having to stand toe to toe with the the really big guys on the end. So that was fun. That was fun, and we ended up beating the Aggies like forty two to three or something like that. Wow! Did you really? Yeah. So that was that was fun. Now, who was on offense on those Michigan teams? 
Well, on offense, we had Rick Leach, who was um, all Big Ten, probably all, all American, a great option quarterback. Harlan Huckleby, uh, Russell Davis, and then we had Rob Lytle. He was a little bit older than I was. Yeah, so those are the guys that they were in the backfield most of the time when I was there. And we ran, uh, kind of moved to a sort of a wishbony kind of a thing um, was a big as a player. sophomore. Yeah. yeah. And oddly enough, um, I was a member of the team that renewed the rivalry with uh, Notre Dame. After okay. about a 35, 38 year hiatus, Michigan and Notre Dame played again in 1978. And that was a game um, that I was really. I was really up for, and maybe because, as you alluded to, you know, did Notre Dame recruit you? No, they didn't recruit me, bums. <laughs> but everybody, everybody thought it was, knew it was a big deal. I think Notre Dame won the national championship the year before, and so uh, we played in South Bend and uh, had no idea that this would be our home soon for another thirty years. But the only picture I have of that game is a picture uh, oh i should say the picture i have of my wife my wife was a michigan cheerleader and the only picture that we really have her in action was standing in front of the notre dame goal post ah. and, and little did we know that we'd come back here and, and raise our children and settle settle down here so i think that i always think that uh being a michigan guy and living in south bend um has been a good thing because it adds a lot of interest into the rivalry and certainly was the biggest game of the year for our family and my boys and stuff to go to. But it also kind of helped me to um, maybe not drink the Kool-Aid like some of my other unfortunate people around me, right? And, uh, but anyways, it's, 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 it's a good place uh, to be because everybody's second favorite team is Michigan. And the fan base is pretty identical. Uh, John Crick, uh, the uh, sports writer for the Toronto Suns, wrote, probably the seminal book on the rivalry called Natural Enemies, uh, the Wolverines and the Irish. And tracing all the way back to the beginning how the Michigan football team actually taught Notre Dame how to play football. They don't want to hear that. And they, they, also, they, also, they also wrote their famous fight song after a loss to Michigan. They don't want to hear that one either. And on an away game, um, I think it was Coach Rockney. I might have the names wrong, but the point is somebody went up to Ann Arbor when Michigan was out of town and saw the, our, the way our stadium is built. It's built into the ground, so it's got over 100,000 people, but it's not teetering on the side of a mountain like, you know, like an erector set, like, like at Penn State. It's kind of built into the ground. And uh, anyways, if you look at the, the Notre Dame uh, stadium, they, they used our, ours too. So we have a really, you know, like I said, uh, fan bases that are very much alike, and uh, we have a lot of fun when we play each other. I tell you what, I learned a lot today. I had no idea that that history existed. That that's that's interesting. <laughs> I, I have to talk to some of my Notre Dame buddies about that. <laughs> well, you got to be careful though, because I um, I was spoke at a Knights of Columbus smoker the night before the Michigan Notre Dame game, oh maybe a dozen years ago. And so I had a nice picture of Bob Crable, who was the linebacker for the Irish, who, who blocked our last second field goal that we would have won the game for us. And, and what happened was, and the picture is ridiculous because Bob is like up in the air 20 feet, right? <laughs> and and, and, and we, we got it. And so this is a picture I was raffling off to the Knights of Columbus, but that picture was obtained because the, the guy in the, on the down position on the defensive line had a board under his jersey. 
And so Bob jumped up on his back and and launched him. And so the NCAA has since banned that. They got wind of that. It's almost like one of those Belichick things that... (laughs) (laughs) And so that got banned. So this was his famous picture that's really crazy because Bob is like Superman flying up in the air way above everybody else. So uh, the question, one of the questions I asked all these Knights of Columbus, so, you know, who's going to win this picture? I'm going to correct the answers you get. The question was, the Notre Dame fight song was was composed after a loss to Michigan, true or false? Everybody said, false, false. I go, no, true. I thought they're going to lynch me. (laughs) So be careful. How you bring that up with your Notre Dame friends? It's a sore spot, apparently. Uh, that was uh, Bo Schembechler there when when you were recruited. Yeah, yeah, he was. How was he was our coach. Actually, the one that recruited me because uh, coming out of the Detroit area, the Florida area, it's kind of Chuck Stobart who went down to West Virginia, but McCartney, Bill McCartney, was the the main uh, recruiter for the. Uh, Detroit area. And like I said, I was really an afterthought to the recruiting class. I don't think I met Bo before I signed. (laughs) I think probably met him at the first full team meeting or something like that. How was it planned for Bo? I think it was summed up really nicely um, by another coach I had later on, Bill Parcells, the head coach for the Giants. So Bill had asked me to um, get a little background information on a guy he was recruit thinking of drafting for Michigan. And, uh, and Bill one time said, you know, I like guys from Michigan because you know, they've been through a lot. <laughs> and that probably explains working or being on Bo's team. Uh, he had a, a great deal of integrity. Okay. From, from my perspective and anything that I've, I've heard uh, since. But it's not that we always saw eye to eye or I I was his favorite guy. (laughs) But it was a really good program to be a part of. And it really, it it did help me uh, professionally, not only with Bill, but my first rookie camp was with the Redskins. And um, my position coach with the Redskins was actually a a graduate assistant coach at the University of Miami with Bo Schumpeckler. They're like, you know, just out of college kind of guys. And they knew each other well, and Doc knew that Bo was a character, but that kind of created a bond uh, between Doc and myself because of the common relationship we had with Bo. And that was really helpful because, you know, you're, you're a rookie free agent with a professional team. You don't know anybody, and nobody expects you to have a snowball's chance. And, uh, but to be able to have that kind of a rapport with your position coach is really nice, and it was valuable. And Doc was uh, a really good help to me. Uh, kind of make that transition. And then it came because of my relationship with Bo and I had gone through a lot to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You had talked about uh, Parcells quite a bit when you were giving the talk down at the, the Corac National Meeting. And I'd like to get into that a little bit later too. Uh, but I have to ask you this question here since I'm from Lima, Ohio. Uh, how'd you guys do against Ohio State in your three years of playing varsity football? Well, I, I, I believe I believe we beat them all three years. <laughs> um, you know, did we get them freshman year? I didn't make the trip down there in Columbus. Um, but I'm guessing we 
beat them because we went to the Rose Bowl those first three years, right? That was back when you had to win the Big Ten Championship to get to the Rose Bowl, and that's where you went. Um, it was my senior year where we uh, must have lost because we ended up in the Gator Bowl, and Lawrence Taylor ends up breaking our quarterback's leg. <laughs> that's oh, I, Ron, you that's another story. Yeah. yeah. That's, but, that's interesting. But did we, I think we might have had them like those three three years. Um, and they didn't seem, I know the Buckeyes are really important to Bo to beat his former yeah. boss, Woody Hayes. That was yeah. really important to him. Uh, but that threat kind of waned, I think, when we were there. Uh, we had some really strong teams. And like I said, Notre Dame seemed to, was waxing a little more threatening, uh, more interesting for whatever reason to myself. Well, when we held our own, and I think when all the Michigan teams get together, they won't be criticizing us for not beating the Buckeyes. That won't be the problem. <laughs> Chris, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I'd like for you to tell us about your journey from after you got out of college to eventually getting the Giants and becoming a Super Bowl champion. Uh, but the journey that you that you are on is just a fascinating one. So when we come back, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. Sure. Okay, we'll be right back in a minute. 